heard about it from a friend who just made this offhand comment, oh, yeah, about is Brandon seeing any guys or anything like that? And she's like, oh, well, Brandon hasn't told me he's gay. Because my mum kind of felt that I needed to confirm it with her. And it's like we literally just made a Lady Gaga costume together for myself. <laughs> like, if that, <laughs> if that isn't a coming out ceremony, I don't know what is. And I looked good. Today we had Zane Dean and Brandon Symes in the studio, two guys who were keen to delve into their quite different stories of discovering their sexuality and defining themselves as gay men. Being on the other side of that and just being out properly is just so much better. I can be myself, I don't have to worry about whether I'm fitting into this idea of what straight me would be like and act like. We cover a lot of ground talking about many aspects of gay life, including how gay men are perceived, the stress of coming out, facing prejudice, and the power in accepting and loving who you are. It was just, yeah, a very messy period of trying to work a lot of things out. These guys really get into the nitty gritty and we're happy to answer some of the questions many may have always wondered but are afraid to ask. This will be fine, but your heart starts racing, you're like, but what if it's not? I learned a lot from this conversation and I'm sure you will too. So much more culturally to the experience of being gay than just who you date and who you have sex with. And I really like that. Welcome to Young Blood, a podcast about young men's health sponsored by the Freemasons Foundation Centre for Men's Health. My name's Callum, I'm a journalist, and this is our mission to talk about the stuff that matters and isn't talked about enough. Let's do it. How long have you guys been friends and how did you meet? That's a great question. It has been at least since 2011, I want to say. See, according to my memory, we went to school together, which is not the case at all. No. So, interesting situation. We grew up in the same suburb, but went to different schools and then connected through the magic of the internet after high school was done. I think it was Tumblr. I think we had a lot of mutual Tumblr followers. Yes, because Adelaide is Adelaide and you just end up meeting people and you don't entirely know why. Um, They just come into your orbit and- we have heaps of same uh, similar interests in things like video games and music and stuff. So we just kind of connected from there. And when you guys met, had you already come out or not? I had not. Uh, I never really came out, to be honest. Because like that, that closet door was glass. No, it was a bead curtain. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone could see that through that closet door. So I guess effectively, yes, I was out. Okay. so It was just always common knowledge mm. uh, as far as I was aware. Yeah, but you couldn't have told me that Zane wasn't gay. <laughs> you were quite insistent even before I was. Yeah, well, it's a mother's job to know. <laughs> How old were you guys when you found out what being gay was? Why don't you start? I, I, I think I actually remember this. It was when Queer Eye for the Stray Guy came out, which I think was around 2000. Interesting. And I, I specifically remember the way that people were reacting to that show. And it was a lot of, oh, like, oh, my God, there's gay people on TV. And it wasn't outwardly negative reaction, but people always made a, a point of let everyone know that they were reacting to it in a positive way. Yes. If that makes sense. Like trying to preface it with, oh, I don't have a problem with it, but. And then it's like, oh, here we go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, I specifically remember my brother, who's about three years older than me, always using gay as a negative word growing up. So. That was my first. Yeah. I actually had a gay uncle um, and I can't remember how old I was, quite young, when uh, the the penny dropped and we realised that um, Uncle Grant and Uncle George were not just good friends. Uh, I was like, <laughs> why is he around the family? I stopped one day to ask why Uncle George hung around and Dad was like, they're a couple. And me and my brother were like, oh, that's cute. That makes so much sense. Um, so yeah, that was when the concept first became real for me, I guess. Uh, and then from there on, it became something that everyone around the schoolyard said as an insult. And Brandon, you touched on that before. How did the people in your life respond to gay people when you were younger, like your family and your friends? Um, my dad is a man of few words, so I never really was able to gather a decent concept concept on what his opinion of it was. Um, but my mother was always totally supportive. And my grandmother as well. So my my mother's mother, as long as I can remember, has just been super open to that kind of stuff. So I never felt unsafe. What about like in the schoolyard? Honestly, I never experienced bullying at school. 
it was never a an issue for me, which I'm super grateful for. And I probably also used the word gay as an insult, you know, until I actually realised. <laughs> yeah, hang on. I, yeah. So my family were always really great with it because it was always normalised. So because we had my uncle who'd done all of the heavy lifting first, it was never really a big deal whatsoever. In the schoolyard, it was the insult. And I think that informed a lot of prejudices and barriers I set in my own head. And I think it contributed to why it took me so long to finally get to that point of saying, I am a homosexual, because it was always such a negative thing. And it, I didn't get bullied too bad. There are a lot of gay people who get bullied really, really badly. I got it a little bit. I still um, bully you. All <laughs> the time. All the time. You are the worst- influence on my life what was the process of realizing you were gay long and uh very up and down so i had always had this interest in males that i didn't really understand i just liked being around them more and i, I connected to them more I, I really liked all the female friends i had but there was something about dudes that uh i don't know i, I wanted to get closer to them but I never really processed that as what my attraction was. It, it took me a long time to kind of piece that together. Eventually, when I was around 14, I realized that I was actually attracted to guys and kind of walked the bisexual line for a little while and, and kind of experimented a bit in high school. Um, and then something weird happened. And by the time I kind of turned 18, it's like I didn't really want to be gay anymore I, I and again there's a lot of um there's a lot of internalized prejudices that i think gay men have to debunk and have to break down yeah what um, feelings did you have in your heart through that period of time well what it was probably the biggest factor was that i wanted to have children and i wanted to get married and you know, have a house and have that whole life and stuff. At about 18, I was like, oh, yeah, I'll finish my uni degree. And then by 25, I'll own my own house. <laughs> you know, those dumb ideas you, you have. both, brother. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so much has changed since then. Um, yeah, we've got t multiple properties now. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I didn't think you could have that while you were a gay man. I, I hadn't really put together that you could have that life and be gay. And so- I almost tried to bury that side of me when I went to uni as well. I didn't really want to deal with being othered because I was already intimidated enough by so many new people and, and having to make an entire new group of friends and be in this environment that was unfamiliar. So, I kind of really pushed it to the side and tried to act like it was just a face. And what, did, what was that like? What did that do to you trying to deny it? I'm pretty good at... Uh, pushing things in, into a box and compartmentalizing things. So, it was something that I just didn't deal with for a while and it actually didn't cause me a lot of trouble. Um, every now and then, I would get really frustrated uh, about being single and, and why it wasn't working out. And in hindsight, I know exactly why it wasn't working out because I was gay. And were you going after girls at all in that time? Yeah, I was. Yeah, I went after a few. And like, there were feelings there that were genuine. It was just, yeah, a very messy period of trying to work a lot of things out. Um, and I definitely navigated it in a very rough way. I got there in the end. And Brandon, you were friends with Zane throughout that time. And you say, you know, you always knew that he was gay. So when you saw him sort of pretending, trying to pretend to himself that he wasn't, what was well, that like? I knew he wasn't straight, but I just remember thinking, look, he has all the same interests as me. We have all the same friends. We were pretty similar, mm. I would agree, which, mm -hmm. for you, which to you is a compliment to me. <laughs> um, uh-huh. Mm -hmm. No, I just remember, see, even when someone says to me they're straight and I think they might not be, I always want to believe them because if they believe they're straight, then that's their truth. So I never wanted to pressure him. You know, I joke around and like hold his hand, that kind of stuff, but I never actually wanted to pressure him into coming out. You also did that to every straight everyone blonde male in your life. <laughs> Pretty much. So yeah. because <laughs> I used to always get from straight guys like, Oh, if I was gay, like we'd be together. <laughs> and it's like, all right, we'll try it. And they're like, Oh no, it was like no no, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, Wasn't serious. But no, I've often What do, found what do you think when, when guys say that stuff? So someone who claims not to be gay makes a comment like that. What how does that sort of 
go down. I don't know if I've ever had that comment really made to me. Oh, I used to get it all the time. Yeah, you did. You had a very interesting group of friends, though. Mm-hmm. A, a lot of your experience, I feel, is not the usual experience that a gay oh, man no. would have. Nope. Um, yeah, when I first got introduced to your friend group, I just found it so fascinating. Um, there were so many barriers that I was used to that just weren't there. Um Look, if a straight guy needed to sleep with me to find out that he was straight, I'm like, mm, whatever. <laughs> like, honestly. <laughs> but um, when I remember- did that, did that ever happen? Yep. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm obviously not going to name names. And I still wouldn't name names. Nah. But, um, I have had uh, an interaction with a straight person too, but it was a real drunken interaction that was kind of just never spoken about again. Mm-hmm. Um, so I still don't know where that person is quite at. I, I assume they're quite comfortable and maybe just what was there, wanted to experiment. What was their initial reaction to that after it happened? Did it freak them out? There was just this awkward phone call like, yeah, so last night was weird. Um, and yeah, there was just this agreement like, we don't have to talk about this again if you want. And I said, if you do want to talk about it, you can. And he was like, nah, we're, we're good. We're good. Um, I think- you know, uh, not to generalize, but women, it feels like it's a little bit more socially permissible for them to experiment. I think it's more sexualized. I don't know if it's more it's accepted. also a lot more sexualized, yes. But I had one guy try to blame me the next night. He's like, oh, I was drunk and you shouldn't have done that. I'm like, hang on. I was drunker than you. You initiated it. Do not vilify me and exploit this narrative of the gay man being predatory because I'm not mm-hmm. putting up with that. I said, you were just as consenting as I was. and You were keener than I was. So, I'm not. I shut that down really quickly. Good. But if, I, um, if it were to get out that a straight man had actually had a sexual experience with a man, socially, it's almost like they're tarred with a brush forever, which is uh, something in society I would love to see broken down a little bit more. I, I wish- there was a lot more freedom and a lot more permission given to people to just experiment, especially while you're young and just working things out. Um, but for dudes, if you have tried a man once, you are forever the person who slept with a man. Mm. How do you think that impacts that person's idea of their own masculinity and the other other people's perceptions of that as well? Like, you know, if it comes out that a straight man had, um, you know, yeah, sexual interaction with a, a gay man, how does that Um, affect them well i think it just puts them into a box and i think there's a lot of ways in which men are put into boxes that are very hard to break out from um we see that a lot with and i'm sure you've had many conversations about this at this point recording this podcast um it's hard for men to admit that they're vulnerable that they need help um it's hard for them to seek help because they want to portray this image of being the strong masculine ideal um, and there's a lot of social pressure that goes into that. Are they afraid that, you know, if that happens and that comes out, that that makes them less of a man in the eyes of some, do you think? I just think it's a false equivalence between heterosexuality and masculinity. And yes. The two don't necessarily yes. have to do anything to do with each other. Um, I've slept with, quote, straight men who had no shame about it. And then I've also slept with, quote, straight men who I've still never told anyone about it. And I wouldn't because I don't want to do that to them. And the interaction meant very little to both of us. So, it doesn't benefit me to, to out them mm. or anything like that. Mm. So, I don't know how it affects the straight guys because that's not my experience. Yeah, I, I am just observing basically on, on what I've seen. And I, I would really like us to get to a point where, you know, you can just have a wild teenage phase and do what you want and- work out who you are because we all have to go through that process in so many aspects of our lives. We have to try things out, work out what we like, who we are and what we're not. Um, but it feels like when it comes to sexuality, there's this line that you can't cross or else you are forever on the other side of that line. You can't come back from it. Yeah. Um, what what pressure did you feel um, to hide it? And was that all pressure that was just coming from yourself? And And what were you really afraid of? I think there was a big fear of social rejection, uh, especially because I had a lot of straight male friends by that point through university and I was very concerned that I wouldn't be part of the club anymore. I also just found the whole 
conversation really daunting, even when it came to telling my family that I was gay and when it came to telling people who I knew without a shadow of a doubt were fine with it. It was still really daunting to bring that up and to initiate that conversation. It's it's a hard thing and the responsibility is all on you to to pull them aside, to start it, to to find the right words and to fight through your nerves to complete those words. Um, and I just shied away from that for a really, really long time. Even when people think that, say you suspect a friend of yours might be gay and you think, oh, well, they can just tell us like, why wouldn't they tell us? We're fine with it. They know oh, that. The, why didn't you tell me? Oh, mm-hmm. my God. Yes, you get God, that a lot. Makes my blood boil. Yeah. Why is that? Brandon? Because you never come out once. No one ever comes out once. Yes, unless this is what I'm trying to unless say. Unless you're blamingly, blamingly, blatantly flaming, right? And everyone just knows when you walk in the door and you open your mouth and glitter falls out, right? <laughs> you come out every time you have a new job. Mm-hmm. You have you come out every time you meet a new group of friends and often you go through the same questions over and over again and people sometimes hit you with that, but why didn't you tell me? You could have felt like you tell me. It's like, A, maybe I didn't want to. B, maybe I didn't feel safe in that particular space at the same time. And C, I'm sick of doing it. Yeah. For them to say, why didn't you tell me? I felt hurt. You didn't come out to yeah, me. Yeah, like you owe it to them. Because I came out 10 years ago and this isn't about you. Yeah, your mm-hmm. sexuality is yeah. your own. Yeah. And- to go back to the point of if you suspect that someone might be gay and, and they're not talking about it, well, maybe you should reach out and give them permission to talk about mm-hmm. it. Open that door for them. Make it a bit easier for them. I, throughout that period where I was really reckoning with my sexuality for the final time, no one really approached me and asked outright if I was gay. No one broached the topic with me. Um, my family certainly didn't bring it up and i think that was that way uh, that was their way of showing respect um and i i really appreciate that i completely see where it saw where it came from but in some ways i i wished that they would just ask me they would start the conversation and then i could just say yes this is what's going on um and it would just be done rather than me having to work myself up and you know i still remember (coughs) the way the heartbeat kind of pounded bringing it up with my brother like Oh shit! I re- I really have to tell him about my boyfriend at this point, don't I? I I'm, I've left it too long. Um, even just the physical stress of that is a lot. So, is broaching that subject is it just as simple as going up to your friend or family member or whoever it might be? How do you start that conversation? I think it's. I mean, think of any difficult conversation you've had to have. Think of perhaps a breakup you've had to initiate or. Um, you've had to tell someone something that's really, really hard. You end up spending a lot of time thinking over your words, right? How am I going to bring this up? Where am I going to do it? What am I going to say? Um, sometimes it would just happen spontaneously because I got sick of it. I, I remember the night that I told you, I didn't think I was going to do that that night. And we were just talking and having quite an open conversation, me, you, and another friend of ours, um, and something in me just almost without thinking about it just went, you know what? You should just talk about this. I think you felt really so. You, uh, sorry. I think you felt really safe. At the I time. did. I did. And I'd already come out to a, a couple of really good friends of mine before. So I was kind of on a bit of a roll. Um, but yeah, to, to start that conversation cold, to think, oh, okay, I've got to tell this uni friend. Maybe I'll invite them out to lunch. So it's just us. Um, that might be easier and I'll think about how I'm going to transition the conversation that way. There's just so much emotional work that goes into planning it out, thinking about it, thinking about, oh, well, what if they react this way? What if they do this? What if they do that? That sometimes it's a bit of a non-event when they go, yeah, cool. Thanks. I think because you were 21. It was my 21st birthday when it really started to happen. How did you react, Brandon, when Zane had that conversation with you? I distinctly remember you saying, I think I'd asked you what had led up to this realization and something you said was, oh, well, it's never really worked out with girls. And I looked at the mutual friend that was there. I thought that seems like a pretty stupid reason to just decide that you're gay (laughs) because it didn't work out with girls. But, um, yeah, I remember, (laughs) I remember, I might as well just give the other side a a crack at the other side for a bit. There we go. Um, I remember I walked Zane home and like we had a, a good chat about it and, um, because in, 
in any group situations, I'm very likely to turn an uncomfortable one, an uncomfortable situation into a funny one. So I just felt like it probably wasn't the right environment to have a serious conversation about that because mm. naturally mm-hmm. I just want to take the piss. So, but sometimes it, it doesn't call for that. No, exactly. And that's no. why when I had Zane, you know, it was just us. We were able to properly talk about it. Yeah. But, um, I, and how did you feel, Zane, after you'd started telling people about it? Oh, just relief. Just relief. Uh, every time I did it, it felt like another weight was lifted off of my shoulders, honestly. Um, did you feel silly for building it up so much? In some ways, yes, but I completely understand why I did. It was almost felt like I wish I didn't build it up this much. I wish I didn't feel like I had to because being on the other side of that and just being out properly is just so much better. I can be myself. I don't have to worry about whether I'm fitting into this uh, idea of what straight me would be like and act like. Um, Which would never work anyway. No, no, exactly. You find yourself discarding parts of yourself, hiding parts of yourself around different people. Um, whereas now I feel like I can just authentically be myself in pretty much any situation I'm in. Brandon, how's your experience of growing up gay been different to Zane's? Um, I didn't have any gay relatives. Well, at high school, people would ask, people would take me aside and appropriately ask me if I was gay. And most of the time I said, I don't know. And that was the honest answer because I just didn't care whether I was or not. I thought I'm going to take my time to work this out. I was still experiencing attraction to girls up until I was about 16. And I think Zane, especially when you were 21, you were definitely at a point where you cared a lot more about other people's opinions of you yes. than I did. And that's, that makes it so much easier when you don't care what people's reactions are going to be. So I- And how come you didn't care? What was it about you that had, you had that strength of character or that resolve to, to not really Because worry? honestly, if someone had a problem with it, I was confident enough in my ability- that I could make them feel worse about themselves than they could make me feel about myself. Honestly, that's the truth. Like, no one's going to out-insult me. So That's very true. <laughs> I really just didn't have an issue with it, and I knew that my family would support me with it. So that, It's good to have that in your back pocket because, Zane, you really put off telling your parents for a while, and I didn't I did. push you into it, but I definitely... Said, you know, like you're telling more people, more and more people. You brought it up a lot. Out. Yeah, you don't want. I guess you don't want them to find out from from someone else. Someone else. Exactly. No, I didn't, and I had that fear bubbling away for a really long time. Yeah, because that happened to my mum. My mum heard about it from a friend who just made this offhand comment. Oh yeah, about is Brandon seeing any guys or anything like that? And she's like, oh well, Brandon hasn't told me he's gay. Because my mum kind of felt that I needed to confirm it with her, and it's like we literally just made a Lady Gaga costume together <laughs> Like, if that, if that isn't a coming out story, I don't know what is. And I looked good. Um, oh, did I? Um, oh, like an orca with, like, black lipstick on. That's what I, <laughs> but, um... <laughs> sorry, what was the question? Oh, where have we gone? Where are we at? And so when your mum oh, knew yep. for sure that you were gay, mm-hmm. how did she respond? She was totally cool with it. We had the whole dramatic moment where she cried and I just stood there uncomfortably because I don't really do tears. Why, why did she cry? Like, just because she was happy that you she, let it out or? She was and still is worried that I will ever face discrimination because of it. That's a big concern of hers. She doesn't want me to ever be hindered in terms of employment, in terms of opportunities. And she really takes it personally when she hears other people speaking negatively about gay people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Zane, how did you dad react they were fine uh dad told me that he had actually had a conversation with his girlfriend at the time very recently um where they were speculating on where i was at um and whether i was ever gonna you know bring a boy home if that's what was going on um so yeah they were totally cool with it i mean my parents would always now and then even when i was back in like year eight and nine um long before i'd ever properly worked this stuff out um you know, they would talk about girls. They'd be like, oh, if you ever bring home a girlfriend and then go, or a boyfriend, that's also cool. Yeah, that's they'd, cute. They'd throw that little line in now and then. And I think My I really- always did that as well. Yeah, it's so nice. <laughs> I, I held on to that for a really long time. And uh, that's why I felt quite safe in the intellectual knowledge that they would be cool with it when I eventually told them. It was the emotional aspect that was hard. It was actually having the conversation because there's a real difference between- 
logically knowing this will be fine. But when it comes time to broach the conversation, your heart starts racing. You're like, but what if it's not? Yeah, it's yeah. that seed of doubt because you never truly know how someone's going to react. Kind of like jumping out of a plane. You're like, I imagine. I can't be, relate. I'm never doing that. I'm much more afraid of heights than any of this. <laughs> Do you know people who've been shunned for coming out, though? Mm, I had one friend who's, he came out very suddenly. He just kind of told uh, me and a couple other people, and then he's just like, no, this feels good. I'm just going to tell everyone. And it, it was a, quite a surprise for, him, for everyone, relative to us, I suppose. And I remember his mother kind of just made it all about her. I was like, oh, well, I just need to sit back and think about how I feel about this. And then after I discussed it with him, he said, we were like, hang on. She took that in super important moment that was hard for you and made it all about her own feelings. And I was like, don't put up with that. Mm. She's your mother. I'm like, you're one of my best friends. No one's going to treat you like that. And then he then had another conversation with her. And from what I remember, she's like, no, you're totally right. And then it was pretty much all good from there. But my... My circle, I don't actually think I know anyone who's had a really bad experience with coming out. Yeah, my close circle as well. I've I've been quite fortunate to know people who've had pretty smooth journeys, relatively speaking. I suppose I don't have any friends who are particularly from religious backgrounds yeah, or cultural backgrounds certain, where that wouldn't be acceptable. Certain backgrounds like that would add that extra dimension of, of pressure. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I can't speak to any of that because it's just not my experience. I hadn't totally atheist family growing up. Um <clears throat> young parents who were reasonably progressive so yeah, if we came from catholic schools i'm sure that would be a very different answer <laughs> yeah i went to a very public school i went to a christian school but they were pretty chill with everything but dare yeah that mm. it's anglican so it's you okay. know yeah that's like the soft christianity it's that's diet the religion <laughs> <laughs> um brandon you said before about the sort of split between masculinity and then homosexuality as well. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us, it's kind of a hard thing to put into words, but how does being a gay man uh, alter your sense of masculinity or not? So, I feel like that's a difficult question for me to answer because I cannot express how much I do not care about what is considered masculine and what is feminine. Like those words mean nothing to me and I have almost no relationship with that. If, if I put on lip gloss and someone else decides on my part that that is feminine i i just don't Mm. care i think but in a wider sense i think it's interesting that we place these masculine or feminine labels on things like interests and music i think it's all based on stereotypes really but i just think it is too you just don't care i think one positive thing about being gay that certainly a lot of the gay people that i know is it almost liberates you from those strict ideas of masculinity mm-hmm. that- um, As in I, living up to those sorts of things. Yeah, I, I, I no longer feel like I have to live up to anything. I'm quite happy existing uh, in this kind of space that I'm in, right? Growing up, uh, growing up, I had quite a stereotypical view of what a gay man was because my reference points were- um, I mean, my uncle, who I guess is reasonably uh, flamboyant, um, shows like Will and Grace where you're looking at people like Jack and he's, you know, um, or even the Queer Eye guys like Carson and stuff. Like, you have this idea that gay men are camp. Just quietly, you are so weird when I'm Jack. That is so true. <laughs> that is completely correct. Um, and just to explain what you mean there, Zane, that all gay men behave a certain way. I think that certainly growing up, that was the uh, impression that I had was that uh, gay men acted effeminately, they acted camp, they were flamboyant, they were loud, um, because I didn't have many reference points to debunk that. And then you had your straight men where there was this idea of what a real man was. Um, And now times have changed. I've grown up. I am very aware that you can exist wherever you want between or outside of those two points. I, in some ways, am, I guess, a little bit more masculine appearing than some gay men you might meet if you were to, like, go down to a, a gay bar or something. Not many, um, but a few. Shush. <laughs> well, so what I'm thinking about here is, particularly when I first started coming out and becoming comfortable with that, the comment I received a lot was, oh, but, you know, you're not as gay as other gay men. Yeah, yeah. I, I got that a bit even from people who are really well-meaning and it never sat quite right with me. Yeah. It's um, a backhanded compliment. 
it's a little bit of a backhanded compliment and, and it almost what says- you, What do you think they're, yeah, what they're saying with that? Do you mind if I take this one? Because I know exactly how to answer go, this. Go for it. It's, oh, but I just don't think of you as gay. What that means is there's a stereotype that I believe and completely subscribe to and you break that stereotype for me. And, the that, and that makes me feel uncomfortable that you aren't fitting into that box. Um, no, maybe it's just that they're surprised. I, I liken it to this uh, friend I had from school, and we weren't we weren't particularly close, but there was another person who said, "Oh, I just I always forget that he's Asian. I just don't think about the fact that he's Asian," and and that never sat right with me. And when I called him out on it, he got really defensive. And I said, "No, what it's saying is that." There's a stereotype that you believe about Asian people mm. and that this person breaks that stereotype. So, therefore, you just think of them as non-Asian. Yeah. And Does that make sense? This, this kind of hidden meaning of statements like that is, I wouldn't like you if you were like this, I think. Um, you know, if that friend did act like their stereotypical idea of an Asian person, then it's like, oh, but maybe I wouldn't be friends with you. And- when I would get comments like, oh, but you're, you act a lot straighter than a lot of gay men. It was like, oh, so if I was- So, they're kind of justifying mm-hmm. their relationship with you by that. Yeah, it's like, comment. oh, so if I was more girly would and less issue? masculine, you wouldn't be friends with me. That's what I took from statements like that. Mm. Or maybe they wouldn't be able to relate to you as much. Or that, yeah. It, it was like, oh, so I would be pushed a little bit further to the outside if I was more like this. Um yeah, so I guess over time I just gradually got more comfortable with myself and now it's like, yeah, I can um, exist wherever I want. I can like whatever I like and that's perfectly fine. I can listen to whatever music I want. I can act super feminine one day and I can act a lot less feminine the next and that's perfectly fine. Like, I can just exist where I exist. There was this girl I went to school with who was, like, proudly racist and homophobic. <laughs> I was kind of friends with her and she's like... Oh. I hate all gay people except you. I was like, oh, my God, thank you so much. What am I meant to do with that? (laughs) Well, I saw her recently and Carmel caught up with her. (laughs) (laughs) We don't need to worry about her. (laughs) Uh, So, other stereotypes about gay people. Um, Or is there just anything that comes up in relation to that where you go, oh, that's not true. Oh, it's not true for you anyway. The thing that's actually coming to my mind is more so stereotypes that are almost placed on us by others within the community. Uh, There's a lot of that that happens. Um, This idea that everyone perhaps is like a certain level of promiscuous. This uh, I certainly notice a lot more um, the ideas of being gay that are reinforced by other gay men than by the straight people around me. It's almost like I've dealt with the straight aspect of my life. I don't really have to deal with anyone who spreads any toxic ideas or, or, uh, you know, boundaries about that stuff. Um, But still, you you have to confront a lot of what comes from your own community as well. There's a lot of subcategories of gay, that's for sure. Yes. And you only have to go to, like, one nightclub or night call to see those different kind of categories. (laughs) What sort of categories can you say? Well, I, I think even we're guilty of that. Like sometimes if we're, at, yeah. if we're at a club and I'll see a particular gay man who you might not think would typically go to a club, you think they might be more comfortable at home playing video games. Like I've probably made a comment to Zane before, like, are they lost? <laughs> if that makes sense. <laughs> and it's not passing judgment. It's just like, oh, I wouldn't expect to see that type, that type of gay here. Yeah. Um or, you know, you might see someone who, uh, where, where I'm going with this is the kind of conversations that we've had recently where we've had to speak to other friends of ours about being so judgy. Do you know oh, what I'm talking about there? Yep, yep, yep. So, um, we were talking about a person. So, we were out to dinner with a, with a bunch of Well, a of group friends. of friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All of okay. whom were gay. Um, am I really going to read her though? Well, they don't have- uh, Whatever. So, we're out to dinner, I think, and there was another table of gays sitting a couple metres away, and it was pretty much a mirror image of us, right? But there mm-hmm. was one in particular that kept making judgy comments towards them, and it's like, honey, they are us, just in not as nice clothes. Different clothes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, um, that's, that's me, just with 
cubic zirconias are not diamonds. <laughs> but um, Stop. but I'm like, we ask not to be judged by the, by everyone else, but mm. then we judge those within our own community. Like, who cares what those people at the table across from us are doing? Yeah, exactly. Literally, who cares? Um, there's this real tendency to judge. There is a real tendency to judge when it comes to physical appearance too. Gays get competitive with each other. Oh, about wow. most unnecessary things, though. And I think that's where it comes from. Yeah. And there's also so many gay men, I feel, there's this pressure to look a certain way and to um, maintain your grooming standards to a certain extent or else you'll be seen as unattractive. Um, and that pressure ends up feeding itself through. If your Instagram feed is full of guys who have, like, you know, tiny waist shredded six packs and they're tanned and there's like no body hair once you see enough of that you start to look at yourself and go uh, hang on am i yeah should i look like that do you think that's different for heterosexual men though i can't say do you think I don't there's know less I say. pressure on heterosexual men to look good i think there's less pressure from other heterosexual men yeah upon heterosexual men but i think the gay on gay judgment is pretty severe and we're all to blame for that. And I think it can, in a lot of cases, be quite overt. Like, I've seen um, instances, particularly online, of, uh, you know, gay men actually just outright saying, like, oh, you should look a certain way. Um, I feel like with hetero men, perhaps it might be a bit more subtle. It might be this uh, more subtle idea you get of, oh, I should be going to the gym more, perhaps. Um, like, I know even back when we were working at Fresh Together, Callum, like, you did some investigations about this kind of thing. Um, but, yeah, it can be quite explicit in the gay community, I feel. But, like, your average sort of heterosexual guys, if there's one that goes to the gym a lot and there's another one who doesn't, they're probably not going to come over and say, like, you're small. You should go to the gym more. <laughs> well, no. Whereas if there were gays, there's every chance uh, one of them might actually give a real up and down look at the other. Or take a Snapchat and send it to their friends. Or that, like yeah. Like taking photos of people in public places. Oh, that does my head in. Yeah, gays can be really vicious. <laughs> uh-huh. Which uh -huh. is interesting given that most gay people have had to go through, you know, dealing mm -hmm. with what you said, that, um, Zane, with that, coming to terms with it and then mm -hmm. feeling all those emotions about being judged and then getting through it and coming to a place where they're generally um, confident and comfortable with themselves to then be judgmental of other gay people going through the same thing in a different way. It just seems like those two things don't really it's make like much sense. It's like on your shoulders. Like, well, everyone did this to me, so I'm allowed to do it to them. Yeah, and I feel takes, like- It takes a long time to unlearn that behaviour. I, I was the most judgmental person you could ever believe. And it came from a lot of insecurity that I had. And it took me- years upon years to unlearn those behaviours. And I, you know, if I, if I really want to be mean to someone, I can. Did you feel like you were on the defensive all the time because you had this idea that people were coming at you to sort of hurt you with their comments or you had more of a shield up in that way? I don't know if I necessarily feel that. I think when it comes to those behaviours you pick up, it can be uh, a lot more subtle and it, and it kind of works in the background in the same way that... Um, you know, your parents might not have told you to behave a certain way, but you've observed them behave a certain way and you've just internalised that over years of exposure. I think having a long time being exposed to prejudice, um, having to contend with the process of coming out, the, the hostility that you might face, the homophobia that might come out, you might end up internalising divisive ideas about society. You might end up wanting to feel like you're on top for once so you put others down i think that might be you know amateur psychologist here <laughs> um, that might have something to do with it and so when were you able to stop doing that brandon what sort of point did you have to reach in yourself where you were so more comfortable i to learn that and not be that person i had to get through an eating disorder to completely to be completely honest um i feel like i came out the other side of that well, I went, in, I went into that only caring what other people thought of me and I would often put those judgments onto other people. And then after that, it's hard to... Honestly, that period in my life is super foggy. I barely remember any of it. So it's really hard to pinpoint certain parts, but... 
but it was was it about becoming more secure in yourself and that allowed you to stop yep. attacking people? Yeah, it's oh, there's a certain quote from Courtney Act. I'm trying to remember. It was on an episode of mm, which, and it was once you stop judging other people and hating other people, you start to like yourself more. Mm, I, I would agree that with was that. The gist of it, I can't remember it word for word, but but sort of <laughs> learn to love yourself before you can love others, sort of thing. A little bit of that, uh, a bit of without speaking for you, if you. Uh, were spending so long worrying about what other people think once you deal with that you no longer want to ever put that onto other people yes that's what it is yep and zane when you by the time you'd come out and told everyone that you knew that you were gay did you know how to be gay where did you start i learned from this (laughs) this chicken next to me to be honest how did that work um i'm so glad we're talking about this because i think this is quite an important part of the experience of being a gay person, right? We often lack role models. Um, You didn't have any family members or senior people who you could refer to. My uncle lived in London for a lot of the time. So, the one older gay person I knew um, wasn't exactly on hand to talk to about a lot of this stuff or, or to really intimately get to know a lot of the things I was curious about. So, yeah, I, I was very unsure of myself, very unsure how to enter the dating world, how to- Were you like searching it on Google? I possibly did. I don't remember doing so, but that seems like something I might have done. Um, I think having someone who's been through it a little bit more than you and can almost be a bit of a mentor to you is so important because when you're straight, you- have so many examples of how to live your life to refer to. You've got um, your parents and your family. You've got teachers. You've got uh, TV. You've got so many examples on the media that you consume. And we just don't really have much of that. And it's getting better and better slowly and slowly. But I, yeah, I'm very grateful that early on in the process of coming out, I- became really close with Brandon and you had already been out for a very long time and you kind of showed me the way and you kind of showed me the answers to a lot of questions I didn't even really know I had until you started talking about them. How did you do that, Brandon? The term we've used is fairy gay mother. Yes. Um, I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> the, first, the first imagery that comes to my head is the fairy godmother from Shrek 2. Yeah. Icon. Same. Best Legend. musical sequence I in a, a movie ever. <laughs> so much better than Shrek 1. I just want to put that on the record. Yeah. Um, I love Shrek 9, though. That was so good. Well, <laughs> Shut anyway, up. Um, I just- I found myself playing that role in a couple of different people's lives. Maybe, maybe five or six where I've just thought that that wasn't my calling. You have a natural maternal streak to you, which helps. Mm. And I just kind of wanted to be the person that, not even the person that I wish I had, because I never felt like I was lacking that. But I just thought if I can impart any confidence, I think that's the mm-hmm. main one, any wisdom or some advice about having, having to navigate through other people's opinions, then if I could give that to someone else to benefit them, why wouldn't I? And did you do that by just hanging out with Zane and sort of leading by example with the way you spoke and the way you acted? Or did you specifically say, this is how this works and this is how you do this? Bit of both. Bit of both. Do you remember the first time I told you that you needed to do something by your eyebrows? (laughs) I got there eventually. Um, Yeah, we just hung out a lot um, and, you know, over time- I just picked up so much from you, particularly, um, you know, sharing reasonably intimate stories, which was super helpful mm-hmm. to have a barometer of, of, you know, was that normal what I just experienced or, or not? And you would need to speak to another gay man to be able to well, exactly. have exactly, Yeah, because a lot of straight people will cringe when you tell them about that. It's mm-hmm. like, and you just told me a story that I didn't particularly, a completely unsolicited story that I didn't need to hear. Yeah. So now you're going to listen to mine. And why do you why do you think so many people still cringe at that stuff? I think they don't understand it, and perhaps that's why they cringe. I, I'm sure f- there's a lot of people who still harbour 
ideas about gay sex and that it's grosser than straight sex. Um, we would beg to differ. They're both I, gross. It's all gross. It's all gross. No matter what. It's very fun, but it's disgusting. And <laughs> we just need to embrace that. I think people, you know, straight people often don't understand it, both on that level, also on a logistical level. Yeah, they might not know how to respond. And so, when you started out having uh, like regular sexual relationships with other guys and before you met your current boyfriend, mm-hmm. with the sexual side of things, did you know how all that worked? Had you experienced that when you were sort of arming and ahhing? Or how did you, yeah, figure that stuff out? There's only so much you can tell someone. Yeah, you do have to just experiment and and try to work things out. I mean, and that's an experience I think everyone can relate to, that teenage experience of first um, starting to have sexual experiences, doing things for the first time and working out all the little intricacies of that, how you like things, getting to know your own body, how other people's bodies might work. A lot of gay people have to do that a little bit later in life. Yeah, see, I started that journey when I was like 16. Mm. So when Zane started, he would have been 21 or whatever. Yeah, I had a little bit of experience, yeah. but not a lot and, and nothing consistent. So so you could be doing those kind of things and in the back of your mind saying, wait, am I doing this wrong? And that could make you really yes. conscious. Yes, uh-huh. so was that daunting? Was, yeah, it was. It was really daunting. And it felt daunting for me because I felt like I did start later than a lot of other gay people. And I had a lot of concerns about potentially entering into a relationship with someone where it was my first and they had already been through their first long ago. It was like, oh, well, how's that going to work? I had a lot of insecurity about having sexual experiences where I was inexperienced and the other person wasn't and then being judged because of that or or being perceived to be bad. And gays will talk. They will Uh tell their friends Everything. If you, you were, were I mean, we do. Yeah, we're, <laughs> we're guilty of that too. You're worried about your reputation starting oh, yeah. out. Yeah, you, you're very worried about how other people will perceive you. Mm. So, what what is the level of promiscuity like within that community then? Like, why is it is it more other people's business than it is outside of that? Do you think? That's an interesting well, question. I think there's a stereotype that oh, you know, gay men are very promiscuous. Yeah, and to be sure, there is a lot of promiscuity. Um, I think that's great personally. You do what you want. You do it as many times a week or twice a year or whatever you need to do. It's an interesting topic to talk about. I think with a man and a woman, you have that interesting dichotomy of the men get celebrated for having sex, whereas the women get shamed for it. In the gay community, you don't have that problem. We, oh, I got some last night. We can all celebrate that. Yeah. It's very open. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that would play a role. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We're very open in talking about it with each other. Yeah, so you think there's, for a lot of gay men that have all come out, there's less shame involved in sexual behaviour? Yeah, I think so, in my experience anyway. If you could go back in time and talk to your younger self um, when, they were, when you were sure that you were gay and uh-huh. you were so worried about coming out, what would you say to yourself? Just get on with it. Just your life will be so much better once you actually just drop this and and be honest with everyone and yourself because I spent a lot of time being scared of what would happen once I was finally honest. Could someone else have told you that at that time or did you have to go through it? Or if someone, you know, if your gay uncle had come and said that to you, would it have made a difference? Uh, it probably needed to come from within me, I think. And it probably mirrors just me as a person becoming quite self-assured in my early 20s, whereas up until that point, I was very unsure of myself in so many ways. So, I probably did just need to work it out by myself. But, I mean, I think of uh, more of my professional life where there were a few key mentors that showed me the way and instilled a lot of confidence in me and the journey of coming out and, and becoming confident as a gay man, a lot of that came from having you, Brandon, as, as, a, as a mentor, as a fairy gay mother, so to speak. I th- it would have been nice probably to have had a presence like that earlier, but who's to say what difference it would have made? There's only so much you can get from watching Kurt and Blaine Cliss on, Cliss, Cliss <laughs> on season two of Glee. Yeah, you exactly. Know, whereas having that, someone living that life and living that truth right next to you, I'd imagine is- So much more tangible. Of, of confidence and you can relate yeah. to a lot more. I had one uni friend who, when I knew him, I thought he was straight and he thought he was straight. And after a while, he, he came out and he said, one of the best things for me was seeing how comfortable you were in yourself. And I always wanted to be like that. 
that just like broke my heart. I think that's true in my case as well, to a degree. I had role models like you who were just so confident. Now he's dating a really hot guy. <laughs> like, so he's doing fine. <laughs> How much do you feel like your sexuality defines who you are? That is an interesting question. That is an interesting question. It's- Or how much of a part of your overall picture is it, is being gay? There's part of me that wants to say that, no, it doesn't define me. But honestly, I derive a lot of pride and happiness from the fact that I am gay, that I have gay friends, that I, you know, have interests that other gay people have in terms of the music and the TV shows. Um, that I have, I can go to a space that's filled with gay people and have a lot of fun and feel like I fit in. So, in in a lot of ways, it does actually define me in a really positive way. It's nice to be part of a community and it's nice to know that there's other people who have a shared experience with you. And obviously, there's so much more to me than just my sexuality and, and the gender of the person that I'm dating. But there's so much, I, you know, you look at pride celebrations around the world, there's so much more culturally to the experience of being gay than just who you date and who you have sex with. And I really like that. Yeah, I feel like it's a massive part of who I am. And I like that. But I also feel no shame. I'm lucky enough to say that I have no shame about it. I won't let anyone judge me for it. And I would dare them to try. <laughs> so, yeah, no, I, I fully celebrate it. Yeah. And I'm, pr- I'm proud to say that it's a big part of who I am. Mm-hmm. And probably has shaped my personality a lot, for sure. Definitely. Are you the men you want to be? Dr. Phil on us. I think I'm doing the best I can right now. I'm pretty happy with where I'm at with everything. Yeah. What I will say is I feel like I've made more progress on that in the last year than I have in the last 25 years of my life. And what's been key to that? I keep going back to the eating disorder because that was such a defining moment in my life. Having to learn not how to hate myself. Because I just think now, I've gone through a cornea transplant, which is probably one of the worst recoveries for surgery you can have. I've yeah, you literally had your eye cut off on surgery. Had yeah, a new one put in. Yeah, it's disgusting. Um, oh, it looks great now. I thanks. Yeah, <laughs> they like naturally this blue. Thank you for noticing. <laughs> I, <laughs> and I've survived an eating disorder. Like so, I think now if I can do that, I can do anything. And I think learning that was a super important part of becoming who I am today. I could not have done any of that without Zane. And I don't like getting emotional, but I oh. honestly don't believe I would be alive today if it wasn't for people like Zane. What has Zane done for you? He's just taught me off that ledge so many times. Because I even think if someone came to me as much as I came to him, I'd probably get sick of it. Honestly, and I know that's brutal. I wouldn't now, but in the past. And he was just so unapologetically unwaveringly there for me in ways that I really had just never experienced friendship like that before. And I feel like those friendships between gay people are so important. Like I've got my straight friends from school who I love, but there's, you may only relate to them 95%, which is still amazing. But like the circle of gay friends that I have now, and we have an amazingly creative name for our group. It's called The Gays. (laughs) <laughs> and, um, but they're like my like my second family now and like they get me and I get them. And do, do you think that there's a level of closeness between you two that couldn't exist if you weren't both gay? 100%. Yes. Without a doubt. Because mm-hmm. we know what it's like to, we know each other's experiences. And was that part of Zane being able to get through to you when you were going through those struggles? I don't believe that there's anything he could have said that would have made my recovery any faster, but it definitely made it easier. I think there was something in uh, everything you have done for me in terms of helping me navigate the process of coming out and, and finding my feet as a gay person. I then didn't even question returning that kind of support and guidance back to you in whatever way I could. So, yeah, that, that has definitely played a role. I just imagine that the level of closeness that that develops, having someone sort of chaperone you through the most Mm -hmm. important chapter of your life to date. Yeah. Sort of have that allegiance. If he rings, I call. You mean answer? (laughs) (laughs) I'm still teaching. Can we listen? Sentences. Sentences are not working for me today. (laughs) The sentiment was there and it was a sweet moment and I've ruined it. 
Uh, that's right. I, I got what you meant. <laughs> I, <laughs> what you meant. Same with I actually. <laughs> I there used to be this running thing that oh, Brandon never answers his phone, and I remember the group of friends that I never properly <laughs> answered their call. Zane was there, and he's like, "What was that about? You always answer my calls." I'm like, "Yeah, I answer your calls because I want to answer." <laughs> <laughs> you, I was like, "You text me too much." Yeah, I just blatantly ignore the other people. <laughs> uh, what would you like to see change about the overall perception of gay men still? I'm going to segue into something that uh, I think is important to talk about here. That does speak to that question. And that was the vote a couple of years ago. Yeah. It is my earnest wish that no one ever has to go through that again and that we never put um, the gay community or ever any other community through something like that. Because that was the first time I really noticed how on the outside I I was. I am pretty lucky to... I work in, in radio, in the media. It's a pretty progressive field that is pretty accepting of gay people. My family are accepting. My friends are accepting. I live in like a decent part of town where I can hold my boyfriend's hand and walk down the street. So, I've never really had to confront what is really out there in Australia. And to go through such a divisive time where everyone was arguing about the merits of me being allowed to get married or not and spiraling it off into so many different directions and taking it to safe schools and taking it to pedophilia and and all kinds of just horrible stuff that was just ongoing and and made me feel at various points really unhappy really mentally not it was really confronting yeah i remember having a conversation with a friend a straight female friend and she just asked me like how is this vote affecting you and i said it's really confronting because yes everyone's entitled their opinion obviously But just seeing even on Facebook, there are still so many people, so many more people than I thought, that not only don't want us to get married, but that wish we were dead. And that's just point blank how a worrying amount of people feel. Mm -hmm. They flat out wish we weren't here. That plebiscite gave so many people the confidence and the permission to start voicing those opinions and not just dinner table talk, putting those things on Facebook, putting them everywhere that you couldn't escape a gay person in my child because they're going to do things to them just like ridiculous false equivalences like that and like and then the way that this plebiscite was put forward was like oh we're doing you a massive favor by letting vote like are you kidding me and it wasn't even a landslide was it it was over 60 percent yeah which depending on how you interpret the votes is a very very strong result yes but it is still worrying when you see that figure. Like, Depends oh, on the there's- state. Weren't there states in Queensland where it was like 50-50? Uh, yeah, some parts of regional Queensland. Yeah, yeah. There were some electorates in New South Wales that outright voted no uh-huh. as well. When you are confronted with those messages all of the time, wherever you look, it starts to affect how you navigate society. Uh, I remember there was this one night where I came home and my boyfriend was- super emotional had had just a super rough day with it all he said he went down to the shops and he couldn't stop you know looking at everyone else just going about their day-to-day business wondering do they hate me do they want to vote no do they not want me around do they think i'm disgusting um there were various moments where that got to me i didn't think something like that would happen in 2017 i thought those days of outright um, really bold-faced uh, discrimination were behind us as a society. And then that happened and that horrible months-long period of just constant divisiveness, discrimination, horrible messaging. And what about when those people defend it and say, oh, free speech? I think your opinion doesn't get to hurt other people. You have to be aware of how your words actually are going to affect others. It's not free speech without consequence. Exactly. You can technically say whatever you want, but that doesn't mean that you are free of getting any backlash. It doesn't mean you can't lose your job. It doesn't mean that there will not be consequences. People have a severe misunderstanding of what free speech actually is. And it's like free speech doesn't mean that what you're saying is not slanderous. It might even be illegal and it could get you in a lot of trouble. Is it really worth it? Hmm. Exactly. That's, yeah. If you're going to use the free speech argument, then I can use that in retort and put you on blast. 
just, I don't know, it, what was confronting for me was there were some people I worked with previously who were very, very religious. And I remember seeing her post this thing on Facebook. You actually know her. I'll tell you later. Um, put this thing I on, think on I know Facebook who you're referring saying, to. Just because you're against homosexuality does not mean you are homophobic. It kind of does. Yeah. It's kind of the whole, Honey. that is homophobia, isn't yeah. it? Well, it <laughs> is. To us, it is. And we're the ones who are affected by statements like that. And but you I didn't get invited to her wedding. That's the f- <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, She won't get invited to yours. Yeah, that's true. No way. She doesn't deserve it. Um, no, she's really sweet, actually. I feel bad now. And that's the- th- But that was the thing about that whole vote was- People who you otherwise felt quite safe around suddenly came out of the woodwork as yeah, that's true. not being as cool with you as as you thought. And when you realise that someone, yeah, likes hanging out with you and is easy to hang out with, but they don't think you should get married and they don't think you should have kids, that suddenly just changes everything. And, and the it's only Christian person I knew out of maybe seven um, that I was friends with who- actually had those values. All the rest were like, I don't care. You do you. But it was just this one in particular that I was a bit- Well, yeah. And, and I, wasn't I, surprised, though. I was the same. I went to a Christian high school. I knew pl- plenty of Christians who were like, yeah, we believe in marriage equality because we've progressed with the times. I'm very grateful to those who did that. I'm very grateful to the churches who put messages of support outside. And by the same token, it wasn't just religious people who were against it. Lots of people who just had flat out traditional views of society- um, and I can't even tell you where they really came from. Got a point to take us out on? I think in talking about all of this, people still underestimate the amount of emotional labour, the amount of hardship that gay men have to go through, even if they are in a relatively safe environment. Just extend a hand now and then to people in your life who are gay or who perhaps you suspect might have something they want to talk about actually take positive action to make life easier for them and maybe just think about how your words and actions can affect someone, can unknowingly discourage someone from perhaps opening that door and having the conversation that they want to have. I think if an opinion you have is outwardly hurting people and you choose to (laughs) just keep voicing that- Mm -hmm. Like, j- just sit back and reflect and think, is it really worth it? Like, I, it is not hard to just be nice to people, and irregardless of sexuality. Just be know. nice. It just sounds so simple, just saying be nice to each other. Be kind. Yes. Put other people's happiness and safety above your desire to say whatever you want. That's how I live my life. Mm. And I have a very peaceful and happy life now. It's great. Awesome, guys. Oh, that was so that was so interesting and like insightful to hear from both of you. And it's cool to be able to just go in and just fully talk about that topic. Yeah. Because even um, me as a straight man, there's just not many instances in which you'd sit down with two gay guys and just ask them all about being gay. But I think for people who are listening to this who are gay themselves and and those who aren't, it's just it was really in-depth and you could hear a lot of perspectives. And I certainly learned some stuff that, of course, I didn't know. Thank Um, you. And just on that note, Thank you for being so open, not just now, but over the years. Because I remember when we worked together at Fresh and I was going through my journey, did cross my mind like, oh, Callum is a six foot tall dude who has gone to the gym for many years. Hey, and I'm six two. You know. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> uh, yes, you are taller than me. I get it. Um, yeah. You know, the thought did cross my mind like, how's he going to react to that? It was never an issue. So, thank you for being open and hopefully, you know, with men like you leading by example, we can really bridge that gap that might exist between gay men and straight men even further. Yeah, and I think you guys are leading by example as well. And Brandon, this stuff that you said about learning to love yourself more and uh, accept yourself and therefore not be hateful to others, I think that's tremendously powerful as well. And, you know, that's not really to do with being gay necessarily, but so many other men out there who feel that way for whatever reason, if you can learn to... Um, become more secure and confident in yourself and therefore be kinder to other people. I think that was a really beautiful point as well. Thank you. It's hard, but it's worth it. If you got something out of this episode, please leave a comment and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. It really helps us grow the show so we can keep bringing you the content that matters. 
Also, guys, it's really important that we're part of the conversation about our health and well-being, and it's easy to do. Just Google Freemasons Foundation Center for Men's Health and click on the Men's Health Register to sign up and help out with much-needed surveys and studies that make us all better off. If you want to stay up to date with what we're doing and get involved, get onto the Young Blood Podcast Community Facebook group and follow Young Blood Podcast on Instagram. And if you're keen to get in touch with me, email youngbloodpodcast, all one word, at hotmail.com. This podcast was produced by the talented Rory Noak at Podbooth. You can check them out at podbooth.com.au. This is Young Blood. Thanks for joining us. Catch you next time.